Welcome to the Veterinary Viewfinder, Episode 5, Reflections on 2016. This week, our esteemed panel of experts and veterinarians are going to tackle what went right and what went wrong in 2016. We're going to reflect on some of the things that impacted us the most and hopefully some lessons we can learn for the next year. As always, I am Dr. Ernie Ward. I am Dr. Cindy Courtney. And I'm Becky Mosser, Registered Veterinary Technician. This time of year, as we get ready to enter into 2017, makes you sit back and makes you think about everything that's happened over the past 12 months. Just gets you thinking about what you're going to walk away with. What did we learn what kind of experiences we had. I'm really curious what you guys think and, and what happened to you guys over the past year and, and what, you, what you learned. And you're right. This is that time of year for us to look back and learn. And I think too often in busy, busy life that we live in 2016, we just don't pause, sit back, and ask ourselves the question of, hey, what did we accomplish this past year? So that's one of the reasons you'll always hear me talk about, you know, I love January because it's that that sense that we've got this entire year ahead of us to do whatever we want. So Becky, from a veterinary technician perspective, I mean, how can you encourage your colleagues to to press pause? I think it's so important to press pause, and I personally try to lead by example. So I think by being the person to initiate the conversations about reflecting and asking questions and having open-ended answers and reflecting the things you're hearing back and starting those conversations with your colleagues can help them take a moment to really think about what's been going on with them the last year. Yeah, and Cindy, that's a really good point. It's initiating that conversation. Uh, Sadly, I think many times when we ask that, everybody goes straight to the negative. What, What have been your experiences when you sort of invite that conversation of reflection? Yeah, um, I think it can be tempting to kind of go to, gosh, what did I do wrong? We tend to (laughs) navigate, to trend toward the self-critical sometimes, especially in our perfectionist veterinary medicine culture. And Maybe that's the nature of medicine. We we don't want things to go wrong. Sometimes things can go really bad when things go wrong, but we need to pat ourselves on the back too. We just had a discussion in the practice this week about uh, focusing on the positive as well. Uh, we can't treat ourselves uh, the same way we encourage our clients to treat our patients. We We focus on positive reinforcement, right? We've got to do that for ourselves too. Yeah, I think that's a really good, uh, healthy discussion that you had. And I love that it was led by your clinic team because we do tend to be self-critical and reflect only on the bad things. And maybe it's part of our mindset. You know, we are we tend to be perfectionists if we're veterinary technicians and, and veterinarians. But maybe also our culture sort of, you know, celebrates the 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 drama, the 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 bad things that happen to us. You know, they always say, if it bleeds, it leads in media. So have we, Becky, conditioned ourselves to focus on the negative? I, you know, I think, I think to some extent the negative, yes, but I think you're right. The most impactful, the most shocking. And a lot of times I think it does tend to be negative. And I think this year has actually been a real example of us as a society really doing that and focusing on what has the most shock factor, whether it is good or bad. But I think most of the time you're right. It does become more negative than positive. 
And unfortunately, I think sometimes we fall into this habit where it is easier to judge than to understand, and it is easier to complain than to do something. And I think that may be part of where that if it bleeds, it leads comes from. Talking about the negativity is sometimes easier and more sensational than deciding to turn around and make a difference about it. Yeah, and I think probably the most sensational and shocking story to me in veterinary medicine was, of course, the Texas veterinarian who proudly proclaimed to the world that she had taken out a feral cat with an arrow through its head. And that displayed the worst parts of of humanity, and certainly it cast a very long shadow on our profession. Cindy, you know, I mean, I know we're talking about negativity, but how can we learn, how can we move forward from this horrific story? Like, how, how, do we, how do we get beyond this as a profession? Oh, my gosh. When that story came out, I felt like I was completely split in two. I had actually just finished reading an interesting book called um, So You've Been Publicly Shamed, which is by, I believe, John Ronson, which is, I think, required reading for anyone who uses the Internet. Um, because that book talks about the power of mob violence on the internet to completely ruin lives uh, outside of our judicial system. So one, I was horrified by what this veterinarian had done and how she had bragged about it. And I completely disagree with what she did. I felt like it was painful. It's outside of our veterinary medical ethics to kill an animal in that way. We don't consider it humane. And then to turn around and to brag about it is is just appalling to me. But at the same time, um, you know, I feel like the internet as a whole has turned into this machine for not taking a step back, not for looking at any kind of context and just ripping into people. And it, it was a very, a very tough thing to, I think, be at the, the center of and to kind of see both sides of it. Yeah, and I was one of the first people in social media to, to break that story, and I I did it with s- severe hesitation because I, I like you, Cindy, you know, it's like, wow, this is ripping me apart professionally and ethically because I, I completely disagree with this act, and it, it absolutely, you know, has to be stopped, and, and it can never be rewarded and, and must be punished, in my opinion. But at the same time, you're going, wow, we're about to unleash the mob, and the internet runs on hate, and is this the right thing to do? I ultimately decided to to sort of couch it and say, you know, look, these things do happen. Veterinarians are, are just people like anyone, and we make mistakes. And, you know, certainly this veterinarian should be punished uh, as the veterinary medical board sees fit. But, you know, we need to learn from this. For me, Becky, what I was trying to show my profession and pet owners is that there are veterinarians who will speak out against this, but at the same time, you know, temper caution. I mean, how do we balance that? So we're reflecting and bad stories tend to rise to the top. So Becky, how do we, how do we balance this, this, this dilemma? It's really interesting. I was listening, I think to a Ted talk about this last night and, um, and, and, you know, we, one strategy is really to literally just do that, balance it. For every negative story, there's a positive story. For every negative comment, there's a positive comment. One thing I think our society has really gotten away from is just being present in the moment. And I know I've talked about that before, but if you really think about what you're about to say, the positive that can come from it and the negative that can come from it and weigh those two, you can make sure you're making good decisions about what you're putting out there. 
And that leads us to some better stories. So, Cindy, I, I know one of your passions and areas of expertise and interest is dermatology. So what's a feel-good story maybe that you'd like to share that happened in your veterinary world, a positive story? Oh, absolutely. So I felt like this year we had a plethora of new tools emerging for our allergic patients. Just this year, um, Apoquel, a, a medication that I believe came out last year, to help decrease inflammation and itch for allergy patients. It was a little difficult to get last year. Most veterinary clinics can now get easy access to it at this time. So we're really excited about that. Um, Hills Pet Nutrition came out with a food for our environmental allergy patients that seems to be very helpful in my patients, at least getting some of the itch down for them. So we finally have some foods for those environmental itch patients to help them. And we just now have a biologic injection that also seems to be helping with it. So I'm I'm really excited to have some new tools at my disposal to help those itchy patients who are at home uh, really unhappy. Yeah, I think sometimes we lose sight of how fast advances are coming at us in medicine. I mean, it, it, we are now at that exponential inflection point of the curve in technology where I mean, you just listed out three significant advances that, quite frankly, 10 years ago, if one of those had dropped in a year, we would be raising our hands saying, wow, this is amazing. And yet there's so many things we can't even say which one is more important. It's, it's, a, it's just a fascinating time to be alive. Becky, from a, a veterinary technician standpoint, what were the stories that sort of stood out to you as you look back on 2016? Boy, I think that Dr. Cindy really takes the cake with the Epiquil story because I know that that was really just like a big driver for a lot of people this past year. I also really like to see the Odic advancements this year. I was excited to see some products come out on the market, and that's partially because I have a chronic allergy dog myself, um, but that helped to increase um, compliance with our owners and medications that can be instilled becoming readily available, one shot, ears are done, I think is going to make a huge huge long-term difference. And I think whether it's dorky or not, I was most excited about that. Yeah, that's a great thing. And in fact, I would like to just piggyback on that. Extended duration is the theme. And I kind of go back to my early, you know, I, I was one of those people who at the, at the time it was it was tough, you know, talking about extended duration vaccines. You know, I got behind uh, the first uh, USDA approved, you know, three-year vaccine. And and it's now kind of been adopted. I think, Sydney, the younger generation, you guys maybe don't always appreciate the fights that, that have occurred. But, you know, three-year vaccines, you get it. Extended duration, it makes sense, of course, and we have evidence to back that up. For me, though, when we're looking at putting an otic preparation in an ear that lasts for 7 to 14 days, that is remarkable. And then when you look at some of the, the, the tick preventives that we have out now that are lasting three months, and you're only going to see an increase in that, uh, these types of products in 2017, extended duration is the way to go. Um, for me, obviously, the big One Health Obesity Summit is was kind of a highlight of my year. I When it first was announced, I was really sort of concerned with this, you know, would it just be a vet obesity conference or would it just be a human obesity conference? But at the end of that, you know, uh, two and a half days, I can tell you that it was a blend of both. And the fact is, this is a, an issue that affects all species, you know, and certainly humans, dogs and cats are the ones we were primarily focused on. But to, to actually see obesity taken seriously by the CDC and by all of these leading you know, human medical schools was remarkable. 
And I was really excited to see the increased emphasis by some of our bigger veterinary organizations on the wellness of veterinary team members across the board. That got me so excited. I was fortunate enough to be part of an AVMA Future Leaders Task Force creating a toolkit for wellness throughout the workplace. So not just helping individuals, but really creating whole practices that are going to be focused on wellness. Uh, The AVMA just came out with a cyberbullying toolkit. They're creating a coalition of different organizations that are improving the wellness of veterinary team members. Um, And one of my biggest passions was making sure that all veterinary team members got invited to the table. And I want to see them continue to get invited to the table on that because uh, there are some interesting studies that came out that showed if the whole organization isn't committed to that and isn't building the system focused around wellness, it it can be very challenging to get everybody uh, in a better place. And I would just like for everybody to check out Cindy's work with the AVMA. Cindy, you know how I feel, but you did a fabulous job. You created with a team of of your colleagues a a toolkit that can benefit any clinic. So what's the website again on the AVMA? Yeah, so it's probably the easiest place to get to is avma.org slash wellness. You can find all of their tools, but you can access the Workplace Wellness Toolkit from there. And this was one of those those stories that broke badly because we had a couple of high-profile suicides within our profession. And certainly we've been, you know, more and more um, aware of, of problems with substance abuse. We even touched on that here on this podcast. And then at the other side of it, it was an awareness and recognition that, you know, we need to do something about this. And, and Becky, you know, from your side, from the veterinary technician's perspective, this whole wellness initiative, has it been welcomed? I mean, have you, have you been hearing any talk about it? You know, unfortunately, I think it is not trickling down to the technician level as much as it needs to just yet. And I think sometimes we are, I don't want to say left out of that conversation, but a lot of the conversation happens around veterinarians. Um, You know, currently, I don't think that there are any technicians um, associated with the, you know, the, the wellness task force, and I could be wrong on that. But I think we need to really get this message out to technicians a lot more. And so I'm really grateful for the opportunity to be here and to help make that voice happen because technicians uh, carry a heavy burden to in a different way than than veterinarians. So I really think that this conversation needs to happen on the support staff. I shouldn't just say technicians, all support staff level, more than it actually is happening right now. And Becky, I'd like to ask you, there's some big potential changes coming down the road uh, through NAVTA and the veterinary technician side. And I don't know if you can speak to that for us and kind of what happened over the past year and and reflecting on what that organization has been doing. So I try not to go on and on about it because I am so excited about it. So thank you for the opportunity to talk about it. Um, yes, please. Because you know I'm biting my tongue. <laughs> but, you know, NAFTA is driving this force for a united credential nationwide. And this has been a huge year, I think, personally for technicians. We've been doing a lot of footwork in terms of surveying our members and surveying technicians across the country to find out how they feel about this national credential initiative. Um, I assume at this point you've probably heard about it, but if you haven't, the credential initiative itself is pushing to unite the title of veterinary technician across the nation. As most of you guys know, we have RVT, CVT, LVT, and then um, in Tennessee, they're a completely different group altogether. So we want to unite this credential to help bring awareness to the public and a better understanding 
communicating to the public about what our positions as veterinary technicians, what our job as veterinary technicians, and what our education level as technicians are. And um, right now, that push is toward registered veterinary nurse or at least veterinary nurse. And um, NAFTA has done some amazing things in pushing this initiative. I think it's only going to get better and move faster in 2017. And I am I couldn't be any more excited and proud to be a part of that. I think this is going to be a great year for for technicians. Yeah, I, I think that you've you're winding down all your research, and I think you're going to be coming out with some statements and some white papers in in early 2017. Is that right, Becky? That's right-ish. Yes, um, we we have done a lot of research in 2017 or 16, and I think we're ready to put down the research and start to make statements, like you said, as far as this is how we plan to move forward and this is our strategy to do it. And I have to say, the NAFTA leadership has put a lot of time and energy and effort into this, and I don't necessarily think people understand or know how much time and effort is being put on their behalf to try to better the profession for them. Cindy, uh, shifting gears slightly back to the veterinary profession, you know, 2016 also, there was quite a bit of discussion about the relevancy of the American Veterinary Medical Association. You know, and of course, you work closely with them, and I do as well. But, you know, there's been a lot of discussion about is it relevant today? Does it really count? You know, there are a couple of big, high profile um, decisions made by the AVMA, especially regarding animal welfare and the food production world, that, that got people, you know, a little questioning what's the purpose anymore what's what's been your take sort of looking back on 2016 and and maybe a lesson that that AVMA can can take moving forward not to get political or anything um um, this is a big question and I think it's going to be an ongoing question Um, as a young associate I think the big challenge from my perspective is going to be will the AVMA become innovative and relevant fast enough. Um, When I think a young person like me encounters the AVMA and interacts with the AVMA, it looks very different than the population of professionals that we went to school with. And it can be challenging for us to feel like that group is representing us. And often the organization historically has been based on a seniority system, people who've come up through the ranks, through their state VMAs, and that that system takes a lot of time. And many of those state VMAs still require three years uh, terms for you to be on the board. And for many in my generation who are used to moving around, um, jobs change a lot more quickly, committing to something specific, committing to a specific state or a specific place or a specific job for three years can feel like an extremely long time. And so I'm not sure the traditional pathways to getting into state VMAs and to uh, AVMA leadership feel as stable anymore. Um, so, so I'm interested to see how that adapts or changes or doesn't and whether or not the AVMA will be flexible to their changing uh, membership and its changing desires. Yeah, it's, it's been a, a really fascinating, you know, uh, event to, to watch the AVMA when I graduated 25 years ago, which was the 
preeminent organization in the world to now, you know, when I travel, especially in Europe, people really question the validity of the AVMA. And, and I'm a strong supporter of the AVMA, but I'm like you, Cindy, we've got to make sure that the on-ramp process is, is appropriate for today's environment, that we are actually being uh, on the innovative edge as opposed to just responding. That's really where I have a big issue with the AVMA. And, and how can we sort of reclaim our prominence in the world? And make no mistake, I think there are a, a cadre of people within the AVMA who see this issue and they are heavily advocating for for changes to help make sure that this happens, um, especially some involved with Wivaldi, so the Women's Veterinary Leadership Development Initiative. And I'm so excited about those folks who, who see this need, uh, especially those who are supporting the Future Leaders Initiative and are, who are trying to make that happen. So I'm very excited about that. Becky, NAFTA, on the other hand, I think continues to make incredible strides. What's the secret over there? I think part of it, it's funny, I think part of it is amazing leadership. Um, there's just some really, really strong people behind NAFTA in general. Um, Miss Julie Ligrid is our executive director, and she's done an amazing job of um, really building industry partnerships and making sure that we're becoming a household name. And I think that that's been part of our success over this last year. It's been exciting. Finally, for me, if I reflect back on 2016, you know, once again, you realize just how important pets are to us. And I was on a flight back last week and I counted four dogs in the cabin with me. And that's normal now. And if I look back five years earlier, that didn't happen. And one of my trends for 2010 that I, I kind of launched is this, this concept I call pets everywhere. And golly, it's amazing. We are getting to share our lives in more meaningful, enriching ways. And that's why veterinarians and veterinary health care providers are so important because at the end of the day, the health and well-being, the quality of life, that's on us. And I got to tell you, that's a responsibility that I cherish, cherish and I really, really appreciate. So 2016 just saw us continue to move in a positive direction for pets. What's your biggest 2016 do-over? If you could go back this year and undo the one thing, what would it be and why? We'd love to hear from you. What are those things that, yeah, let's kind of take that one back if I could. 2016 was an absolutely crazy year for me. We had a lot going on uh, both professionally and personally. I had took on some additional work in addition to practice. My family bought a house. We lost a family member. I got pregnant. So there's there's been a lot going on. And I think if I had a do-over, it would be to try and control things less and to let life come and take it one step at a time, take it more in stride and just breathe and relax about the whole thing. You know, that's that's really good about the breathing and letting go. And I think, Cindy, the older you get, the more life experience under your belt, so to speak, you know, you do learn to let it go. For me, though, if I have a do-over, it's sort of the opposite. Uh, you know, I turned 50 this year, the big 5-0, and I really am now looking back when I go through my journals, and it's like, I didn't do a lot of stuff that I should have done. So one of my commitments moving forward for 2017 is to really you know, accelerate my timeline, to compress it. If I can accomplish this in a year, why can't I do it in a month? I mean, I'm really trying to focus on increasing my efficiency and doing more things. So when I'm looking back on 2016, 
I'm kind of saying I should have done more. There was more things I could have you know, taken chances on. There more things I should have experimented with. And I would encourage you, if you're listening today, if there's that one thing that you've been wanting to do, whether it's with your personal health, your, your relationships at home, whether it's in your profession, do it. Just do it. Time doesn't back up. We don't get a do-over. Becky, what about you? Any, any do-overs, any things that you look back on? Gosh, no pressure. Um, <laughs> you know, this is such a tough one. Um, I would say in terms of this year for me personally, it has been an amazing year. And I think the only thing I can think of is if I could do anything over, I would have done it sooner um, because it's been an amazing year. But I think the timing is perfect. And I think um, the only thing I can really say I wish I learned sooner maybe this year is to, like Dr. Cindy said, slow down and enjoy the moment, but to also um, really kind of understand where I'm going, think about the end in mind. And so sort of like you, Dr. Ernie, the, the middle time doesn't feel quite so wasted um, to be maybe a little bit more focused. Well, that wraps up today's discussion on 2016, our year-end review. And while we certainly didn't try to tackle all of the topics, we just wanted to share with you some of the things that were on our mind as we move forward into 2017. Feel free to contact us via our Facebook page and let us know what your top stories were of this year, what your reflections are, what you do over, and what you learned. On behalf of the Veterinary Viewfinder team, we want to wish you and yours the happiest new year, and we can't wait to get started with 2017. I'm Dr. Ernie Ward. I'm Dr. Cindy Courtney. And I'm Becky Mosser. Happy New Year. Have a good one. And happy birthday, Mom. Happy birthday, Becky's mom. 29 never looks so good. <laughs>